If you're listening to this podcast, there's a really high chance that you are also interested in cookbooks. So I wanted to let you guys know that my cookbook, Elevated Everyday Paleo, is officially out wherever you get your books from. It's a collection of recipes that I believe make everyday cooking just a bit more special, and I hope it reminds you that there's art in so many little moments of life. You can grab it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookseller. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Manual Mode. I'm your host, Mariah Sautel, and I'm extra excited for today because I get to introduce you to a guest who has been a part of my career since I was just a brand new photographer and she ended up helping me on a shoot when I didn't have anyone even though she didn't even know me and she has been a friend and a great fellow entrepreneur for me to lean on ever since. So today on the podcast, I'm talking to Michelle Ricci, a coffee-slinging, community-building, forward-thinking entrepreneur who is making moves in Phoenix, Arizona. Michelle is the founder of The Early Bird, a mobile coffee bar turned events company that she started to serve the Phoenix area, which was also one of my very first customers when I was a baby photographer. While COVID was a challenge to the early bird, Michelle is a resilient entrepreneur and emerged with her latest creation, Monsoon Market. I'm especially excited to hear her talk more today about building community. Michelle is just a ray of sunshine and a wonderful human in so many ways, and she has so much to share about creating a standout brand and what it's like to pivot when you are a passionate entrepreneur. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been forever. I think it's been what, like a year and a half or so since I last actually sat down and talked with you for a while, I think. Oh, yeah. We had like drinks right before I left Scottsdale, which was what, like October of 2020 or something. So it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Well, you have like done so much <laughs> in <laughs> even like a relatively short entrepreneurial career, I feel like. So before we jump into that, can you take me back to like the very beginning? Like what did you want to be when you grew up and like what was kind of your vision for all of that? Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's somewhat makes sense now looking back that I wanted to be something different every couple of years because that's what I've been doing. Um, I also think it makes sense that I work for myself and I am an entrepreneur just because I like to, I've like come to learn, right? You like start learning things about yourself that I have kind of these visionary ideas, which um, I like to produce and like see come to fruition. And then I also love the experience of getting my hands into all aspects of that and really like learning and challenging myself along the way. 
So when you start a new business, you know, everything is build the plane while you're flying it. So you're learning on the go and it's exciting and you're doing it for yourself. So I think it's like constantly motivating. And once I realized I had that itch, um, now I've opened not one, but two businesses. And I don't think that that's going to slow down. I'll probably open several businesses in my lifetime, I hope. Um, I just like thrive on that sense of community and like small business ownership, especially here in Phoenix. And I can just foresee that that will fulfill me for the rest of my life. And that's just in Phoenix, right? I mean, I also want to travel and I don't know, I could see all kinds of possibilities, but working for myself, I feel like gives me that freedom to explore and to really have no ceiling. I love it. So your first business was the early bird. So can you take me back to what you were doing when that first started to become an idea? For sure. Um, So the early bird was my mobile coffee truck and I'd worked in coffee at when I started having the idea, probably at that point, about five or six years and never thought, you know, like working in a coffee would be a full-time career or anything more than that temporary job. But I loved what that job gave me so much. Like I was not naturally an early riser and the job got me up super early, got other people's day started. Um, which in turn just kind of like made me feel really good, you know, like purposeful and doing something good for other people. Then also the benefit of having the rest of your day available. I mean, you were done usually with work at noon. I was like, wow, I just feel like my life is so much more productive right now with this job sort of structuring that day, day to day. Um, And so my husband actually had the idea. He was like, well, you know, you keep talking about how you want to start your own business, but you're not quite sure exactly what it is. Why don't you do coffee? I was just like, oh, of course, you know, it's like always right in front of you. Like I should do that and maybe do this small mobile version so that it's manageable and movable. Basically, Um, you can take it to all kinds of events and all across Phoenix and serve. So um, I workshopped it for a long time and made sure, you know, I really wanted to invest a lot into it. and. I, th- I think it more than paid off. It was so much fun. Um, I got to keep that schedule, which I don't like, do anymore. I'm not getting up quite so early, but it really worked for me for the full three years that I did the early bird. I just like really loved what it gave for me. And also it did a lot for the community. Like people loved the early bird um, without, you know, boasting too much about it. Like it just, I didn't expect to have such good, reciprocation from the community, honestly, on how successful it was as a business. You're not boasting though, because I (laughs) saw firsthand, like not only how like uh, on par the branding and everything was, but seeing you at the farmer's market and then on like social media, how many people were like just obsessed with sharing that (laughs) they got coffee from you. Cause it was just like an amazing experience, but I want to touch on the trailer for a minute. Cause I don't think people understand that. Like you guys legitimately built that whole thing. So how did you learn how, like, what was the process like of building this thing? Cause it was amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, so we actually, I designed it, but I did have it built by a food truck builder because part of this homework process was, you know, of course, trying to like find out, okay, who's doing this? How are they doing it? And 
a lot of people were building out their own trailers or trucks. And I was like, you know what we could, like I could figure that out, but it's taking them a long time, right? It's taking them like a year to build the trailer alone. And I'm like, I just kind of have this feeling I need to get started sooner than that. So even though the idea of going this kind of more industrial food truck build wasn't it, I made sure to make it really personal. And I looked up, um, there's a a huge market for this or was before it got bigger, even in the US in New Zealand and Australia. The idea of like coffee trucks was huge um, in 2017 when I was starting. So I looked at this one truck in, I think it was New Zealand and it was so cute. It was built just the same way kind of the early bird was that pitched roof and it opened on both sides. And I'm like, that's it. You know, like I don't want this small little food truck window. I really want this, especially because I can being beverage only, it's not food. So there's no health hazard in the open windows. I want it to be feel really open. Um, and I think that was a big part of it. Um, especially at events, you know, like it didn't look like a food truck. It was this really cute little trailer. I didn't ever know how to call it a trailer or a cart because it's really, it kind of seems small, like it's big enough. We could get three people inside of it, but it, it was very tiny, you know? Um, so we had it built out and I got started even later than I thought, but I got started January, 2018. Oh no, May. It was supposed to be done in January. I got started in May, 2018. And yeah, it took a little bit of momentum because we started in the summer in Phoenix. Not a great plan because it's hot and nobody's really around. But by that winter, it was just so much fun. Like you could tell people wanted it. And yeah, oh, I miss it now. Of course, you know, I look back and I've moved on since the bird, but it was my first baby business and I still love it. So I want to touch on the decision to pivot, but before we go there, you branded everything so well and marketed it so well and really understood branding on a level that I think a lot of new business owners don't because you understood the story aspect to it and the really having a vision and like leading people with that vision and being a part of the community more than just like having great colors and logo, which you absolutely also did, but you really had like the foundational like messaging of the branding down. So what, how did you learn about that (laughs) to the point where you were able to do it so well? Were there any books that you really liked or a certain background that helps you kind of navigate that? Like literally my book stacks right here. What did I read? <laughs> Looking. Uh, I read a lot of stuff. I wouldn't say anything in particular like stood out, but I am a pretty good student in general. Um, and so like I knew if I was going to do this full time work for myself and um, be able to bring in, you know, an income, at least contribute something and make this a successful business. I. I needed to like be an expert in most everything and marketing was already a strong suit for me. I just had a lot of interest in marketing and branding um, and had worked in it before. I took on to social media really well when Instagram kind of first started emerging like 2013, 2014. And for whatever reason, like I don't, don't quite get it as much now, but then I was doing really well with it just organically. And so um, those businesses that I worked at a coffee shop and then a brewery locally, I did social media marketing. So I was kind of self-educating that whole time, really getting into it and feeling passionate about it. Um, 
also using it for business. So once I got to the early bird, I knew the importance, like you said, uh, Instagram and social media and everything was just growing even more in popularity. It's becoming a place to find businesses. And so I knew the story had to be, like you said, sort of really solidified and easy to communicate to others. And so thank you for that. It's hard to do your own branding when you're doing it for your business. It's really easy. I mean, it's not really easy, but it's a lot easier to do it for others than for yourself because you think you overthink a lot of things. Um, So I have to give a lot of credit to my husband, my friends who all took my phone calls so they could brainstorm with me. But yeah, I... I had learned how to kind of go through that process of like, what does a brand look like from the consumer standpoint? And so I forced myself to do that with the early bird. Like I sat down, I wrote out a whole branding plan um, and kind of added a locked in so that I could just let it start operating while I worried about those other things that are not so fun, but important in the business also. And can you also speak on the idea of investing in the local community? Because that's also something you did really well. And I think it paid off for you. And also, like, not only did it probably help boost your business because you had more visibility, but it really just kind of made something really special um, with all the different, like, small businesses that you worked with. So can you talk a little bit about the process of building community and investing in community as a small business? For sure. my small business wouldn't have come about if it wasn't already for the community. I think I saw a glimpse into, you know, what the local Phoenix small business community was like and just like was inspired by that. So that was a huge part of why I started the early bird. Um, when I was working for a brewery, they were part of Local First Arizona. And that's an organization that brings together small businesses. So through them, I met a lot of the people I ended up working with, including Peixoto, which is my coffee supply, and just how amazing those people are. So it was always like, you know, this great product and then amazing people that back it up and hearing their stories. So you can't help but feel inspired to do your own thing. And honestly, it was partially also because Peixoto's story, um, it's just so special and it's a family run business. And they're trying to basically save their own Brazilian coffee farm by having the roastery and selling coffee. So I wanted to support that. And that's where having the coffee business also came into play. So it wasn't just my story, but it's also helping them carry on their legacy and story. So it really was like ingrained into the early bird that it's part of the community and works with it. So I sought out as many local vendors as I could, as far as like syrups and milk and, you know, cups, all that stuff. Um, So it was a part of the business. And then, like you said, you know, it's important, but I guess I didn't play it up to the fact that it's going to help my sales, but it did. Um, You know, I think people care more and more about their community now, their neighborhood, their economy locally. And so like connecting ourselves with that and just really like driving it home. Like if I can't do an event for you, I'm always going to recommend three other local businesses that could help you. You know, it's more than just like saying it, it's like really living it. It's like, okay, you know, like whatever you need, somebody, somebody helped me out one time with a truck situation. I couldn't pull my trailer. My truck was dead. And my local frozen yogurt friend, 
was like, oh, I have a truck, come grab it. You can use it for the night, you know, so that you don't have to miss your event and miss sales and stuff. I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it's not just like all what the customer sees on the community side. It's really like us as small businesses have to work together to survive. So I, I think it's integral to being a small business that you're part of your small business community, as well as the community that you serve. It's kind of twofold. I love it. So I know that now you've pivoted and I want to talk a little mm -hmm. bit about what you're working on now, but what was the process like of coming to terms that it was time to pivot? Ooh, tough one. Yeah. Um, yeah, because on one hand, the early bird I could have done forever. I probably knew deep down there was other interests and it would have an end date, but ending something is, is difficult. You don't usually think about that. So for me, this was a little easier because the next thing was there. You know, it was the momentum of this new project and that energy was already starting to, you know, formulate and kind of create this like living thing. And that I was doing it with a partner this time, uh, my new business. And so she was really excited. It's her first small business. And I was, you know, intrigued with that idea of like doing this with someone, bringing somebody else into this community and like allowing them to work for themselves and, you know, for ourselves. So um, it was a lot of like, okay, realistically, I can't pour into this and still keep the early bird. So either this can't happen or I can't do it in that full of capacity, which we talked about. We talked about it being, you know, like a, different split ownership where she owned more and I owned less and I kept doing the early bird um really just kind of like playing out all the scenarios again grateful to people for the people in my lives that let me talk it out out loud so I can kind of think through what all of those avenues look like but I didn't really know how much the pandemic and COVID was a part of the early bird's life until all of that has kind of come around but so many people told me like you know back last summer when the pandemic was going on and terrible, the farmer's market was the only thing I could come out and do. And so like the early bird helped get me through it. It was my every Saturday thing, my normal, you know, normality. And so I was just like, wow, okay. Like that made me feel as if its purpose had come and gone. Like it's fulfilled its reason. And so I could put it on pause for now. And also the fact that it's on pause, it's not quite over. I mean, it, maybe is, but I sold the trailer. I didn't sell the business. And so it's on the back burner, you know, if anything comes about with it or some crazy investor wants to give me a lot of money to open a cafe, like the business still exists. So um, that made it a little easier also. So with your new project, Monsoon Market, um, can you just describe to the listeners like what it is? <laughs> That's the hardest question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know, got it based like, on the website. It seemed great, but <laughs> it's so funny. It should be the easiest question. And of course, it's always the first question. But um, because it's somewhat of a new concept, especially here in Phoenix, it's hard to, I think, put into few words. <clears throat> it's basically a corner store where we will be a bottle shop as soon as this hearing goes through and we get our beer and wine license. Um, so snacks to go drinks and provisions, basically like Trader Joe's, but all of the brands are small independent brands. 
So yeah, we sell flowers, greeting cards, all kinds of things that you need for a little meat and cheese board, a little, you know, evening at home and maybe a gift for a friend. I love it. That, and it doesn't, it doesn't sound like scattered or straight. I, I mean, at least here, that's very common in New York. That's like more common yeah. than a regular store. So it's, it's all sounds great to me. So well, from, of, of course you have bodegas and I right. did not want to use the word bodega because it just doesn't sound right in Phoenix. You know, it seems a little, I don't know, ostentatious maybe, or right. we're also not selling Doritos and right. Like, chapstick at the counter so you can't quite be a bodega I think if you don't have those staple items well even on top of that like now there are all of these small like similar to your concept like all of these small shops popping up here that sell more like the small like they're they they don't call themselves bodegas either so I think maybe we need a new word because everyone (laughs) seems to be struggling for what that is they call themselves markets which I guess is what you've called yourself in a way so um yeah, it it's, seems to be a pretty popular thing. People are excited to get those smaller brands yeah. and have act like so you don't have to buy them in bulk online or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and can just run out and get them. So I think it's great. So Thanks. exactly, yeah. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, something that I think about a lot that is really hard is how do you find a co-founder and how do you find a co-founder that you complement well and that you work with well. And I think it's like, if someone could figure out that secret formula, like they would be rich because (laughs) it seems like such a hard thing to figure out. So what has your experience been like having a co-founder now and what have been the advantages of that for you? Hmm. It seems like not that long ago, I think last summer, I I knew I wanted to move on to a new project, something brick and mortar and something that I had to partner with. Um, And at the time I was talking to a few other kind of colleagues in Phoenix and felt like some of those were going to evolve into a partnership. And I'm so grateful they didn't. Um, Just things I found out along the way, um, you know, business decisions. I'm, I'm so glad. And I don't know how I got so lucky, but I remember saying, I would love if I could convince Coral to go into partnership with me because so my now business partner, Coral and I met through a working friendship. We met at a coffee shop that we both managed different locations of, and then we became friends through that work relationship. So it's kind of that best scenario where we are friends, but we're friends through work. So we know each other well, but it's like kind of in that environment. It's already has a healthy setup. And we complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, there's definitely crossover on things and we're both fire signs. So like some things we are both very opinionated about. Um, but, you know, that's just that's going to be any partnership where you both have opinions about something and you have to settle it. But again, our foundation, I think is good. And so we're communicating in a healthy way about something, you know, we'll come to a compromise on it, but I'm, I'm really lucky. I, I don't know. You have to have so much trust in a business partner and I'm grateful that I could trust Coral with it. Um, we laid everything out in the beginning, even though roles, roles and responsibilities are changing. Again, we said, you know, here's what we think it is. And we're going to set ourselves up to have 
honest check-ins throughout the way so that we can say like, okay, let's get together. What's working for you? What's not working for you? What do we need to change? Um, just like any relationship, especially like, uh, like comparing it to a romantic relationship. Coral's my work wife. Like we have to talk about everything. It's all about communication. So um, I, I just feel so lucky that she did want to work with me and that we're doing this together. Cause I don't think I could have done it with anybody else. And it would have looked so differently had I done it with anybody else. I'm truly, truly blessed that Coral was like, I want to do it. She called me up. She's like, I want to do it. Let's go. And then she's basically been in the driver's seat the whole time. I'm just over here. Like good job, girl. Like, okay. Yes. No, yes. No. Slow down. Speed up. Okay. We're good. <laughs> I love it. Have you had to deal with hiring yet for this new business? Not yet. We are hiring in quarter two. Um, from the beginning, I told Coral, I said, I would not like to general manage this location. I'd prefer if you do that. That's her strong suit. She has been in training, um, like the training realm for a long time. And she loves being in a leadership position. So she will spearhead that. Um, I'll be there for all the interviews and hiring on, but she's definitely the GM and she's going to make those decisions. I've done that in jobs past. It's just not my favorite thing to do. I love sitting in on interviews and stuff, but I'm already so in love with our future employees. <laughs> We've talked about them. I'm like, I don't know who they are yet, but I'm just like so excited to have people want to work for us. We've had a few like, girls in the shop. They're like, are you hiring? I'm like, I can't wait to say yes, but not yet. So, um, we'll, yeah, we'll hire at least one or two part-timers in quarter two. That's great. I'm excited. So do you have any kind of, well, maybe you can't share yet, or maybe you can, do you have any vision for extra things that you're wanting to do with the market or any expansions or any other projects on the horizon for you? There's so many ideas now that we have a space actually, um, being able to just host things, anything, you know, we want to do something every first Friday, every first Friday of the month in downtown Phoenix is a big art show. Um, you know, just people have like their booths, their food trucks, their performances, you know, street art and stuff. So we are actually located right next to a great vintage shop and it's very young. Like, so our whole complex is kind of a lot younger than I thought it would be. There's a salon in there and our building is called the Mercury building. So we want to have Mercury nights every first Friday and do like vintage pop-ups. Um, we did one this last month and we had a cosmic aura photographer come in and like do photos of your cosmic auras. And it was so fun. And so like everybody wanted to do it again. So I'm just like over the moon about being able to house all these fun activities and people to like show off what they do, um, you know, do business. They're selling that they're selling their artwork out of the store, um, selling the you know food that we carry. So there's going to be lots of events. I think that happen in our space. I love it. That's great. So I have a few rapid fire questions to, to close this out and they don't have to, you don't have to answer super quick, but they're somewhat rapid okay. fire. So, um, the first one is what is your current favorite podcast? Oh, yours. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. that, like, does it, you don't have to say that though. <laughs> I know, but I was listening to it and I was like, your voice, I'm, I'm really big on voices and podcasts. Um, I can't just listen to anyone. And honestly, 
like not just the fact that we're friends but like your voice and then presley's voice our friend presley has the hey hey presley podcast and yeah. she's just started it again and your two voices are so easy to listen to i'm like they're some of the few podcasts because i don't listen to a lot well that's very kind i have like butchered the audio up until this point with like having my mic upset like the things that i have done trying just because i'm trying to that's do too funny. many things and i'm it's crazy. So that's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> well, good for you for even doing one. I know like the audio and the technology of doing it. I'm like, no, thank you. If somebody invites me into a space where it's set up great, but you know, for me trying to do it on my own. No. Um, yeah. Those are my two favorite podcasts right now. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll link Presley's in the show notes so people can check it out. Cause that's one that yeah. I love as well. Um, what is the next trip you want to go on? Hmm. The next trip I want to go on. I like that. Um, luckily, we're planning trips again. Haven't been planning a lot of trips. <laughs> right. So actually, my my poor husband, he works for the airlines and he's been with them for 15 years. So um, we do have the flight benefits, which is really nice. But bless his heart. He married an entrepreneur that wanted to start not one, but two businesses in the last three years. So we haven't had a whole lot of extra funds or time to go travel plus COVID. So I promised him we will use those flight benefits this year. And we haven't been to Boston in a long time. We really love Boston. So we want to go to Boston. And then we probably won't go this year, but I want to plan a European trip. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the need to go to Europe as well. Mm-hmm. What, the need um, is strong. Yes, definitely. Uh, what's your favorite book? It can be of any genre. It doesn't have to be business. Oh, my favorite book. Um, Well, I was going to say lesser known fact, I'm a theater major. So I actually didn't even know this. You didn't know that? Or maybe Um, I did and I forgot. (laughs) I I mean, I don't do anything with it. So um, I very much enjoy reading plays. I don't I feel like that kind of counts as the same. So I've been going back and reading a lot of the plays that I read in college. And my favorite one is Eurydice. It's based on Greek mythology. Um, And also the, it's a movie closer. It's actually a play was um, the original version of it. So I don't know why I just love like studying that story. It's like, just shows so much humanity and stuff with people that, um, I, I read that one over and over again. I love it. Um, what do you do when you feel like you are in a creative rut and need just to kind of refill your juices? Mm, take a break from work and get outside. Hiking, just outside in general, but hiking is available here in Phoenix pretty easily. So usually that. Um, if you and... <laughs> You can't say coffee to this because you're like an exception to to this question, I guess. Um, if you were going to open a restaurant and it could only serve one kind of food, what would it be? Gelato. Okay. I love it. It's like, what? okay. <laughs> it can't be coffee because you already did that. Um, I, did, I did that. I would, I would figure out, I'm obsessed with like, like traditional authentic Italian TikTok cooking, basically. There's like one lady I follow and I just watch her make pasta and homemade gelato all the time. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to make homemade gelato. She makes it in like the push pop kind of thing. They're very beautiful. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. Sounds good. And it my last won't question, happen, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think you have a few a few things going on right now. One thing at a time. <laughs> um, my last question, and I don't love the question like, what advice would you give your younger self? Because I feel like everyone is like, oh, I would like I did I made all the right mistakes. So instead, if someone was telling you that they were feeling the itch to become an entrepreneur and they were quitting their job and they were jumping in, what advice would you give them? Oh my goodness. Hmm. I I want to say like make sure you're ready kind of thing. Um it's I think it's romanticized a lot. The idea of working for yourself is very romanticized. And it, you just have to be realistic about it. Um, you have to look at, it's not fun, of course, but like you have to realistically look at what is this going to cost me financially, energy-wise, time-wise, all of that above. And look at your strengths and weaknesses, I think. I did uh, a lot of personality testing and kind of deep diving on myself before I started so that I knew where my weaknesses were and I could easily call myself out because when you work for yourself, you work for yourself. You have to be your own boss and you're not going to get anything done if you're, you know, just kind of like being you going through the motions and ignoring the important things. So um, I would just take some time and really honestly like self-reflect and kind of plot out not only what the business is going to look like, but what you are going to look like running the business. Mm, I think that is great advice and a great place to end. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Manual Mode. You can grab links to everything talked about in today's show and the show notes on mariahbrook.com slash podcast. I'll be back soon with yet another episode for you. In the meantime, please rate, review, and subscribe and keep creating. Manual Mode is brought to you by the 411 email newsletter. It's my very own email newsletter sent from me to your inbox every other week and curated specifically to be email that you don't hate. It's uh, just four useful links, one podcast recommendation, and one thought that I have been thinking over. It's been making me a better creative and a better human. Um, It's specifically designed to help you do better work, and you can subscribe anytime at mariahbrook.com slash newsletter.